Um, I've, I've finished doing, the, the, you know, Jesus' seven I am statements in John's Gospel, and so I was thinking where to go next. And my mind went to the book of Revelation, and there are more names and titles of Jesus there, and we'll start with this one. Jesus is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. It's in John 1 and John 3. Uh, John, sorry, <laughs> Revelation 1 and Revelation 3. Revelation 1, John, writing to the seven churches of Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was and who, sorry, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits of before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And to the angel of the church in of the Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So faithful and true witness is just not a description or a comment about Jesus. It is a name or title of Jesus. We live in a world where truth has become subjective, whatever you want it to be, it seems. But Jesus is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Just to explain that word, amen, it's actually a, a Hebraic word. It may best be translated into English as that old English word, verity, which combines truth, truthfulness, and trustworthiness. So when Jesus said to, to people in his time, amen, amen, I say to you, he was saying, of a truth, of a truth. This is truth. This is reliable. This is trustworthy. Depend upon it. So... Now, we know something about faithful and true witnesses because you're supposed to be one if you go to court and give evidence. You're asked to give this oath or to affirm without the name of God that, you, that the evidence you will give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And if you're found to have lied under that oath, you can be tried and convicted for perjury. And some years ago, two conservative politicians were convicted of perjury. Jeffrey Archer, who's more famous as a novelist, lied under oath in a 1987 libel case. But years later, quite some years later, in 2001, he was sentenced to four years' imprisonment for perjury and for perverting the court of justice, which ended his political career. Jonathan Aitken also lied under oath in his 1995 libel case, but he was more quickly convicted of perjury in 1999 and received an 18-month prison sentence. And, of course, in both cases, only served part of the sentences. But Jonathan Aitken became a Christian, and he became the president of Christian Solidarity Worldwide and then was ordained in the Church of England and since then, as far as I know, still continues to be a, a, a priest working in Westminster and he's chaplain of Pentonville Prison. Isn't that something? <laughs> At least one of them found the grace of God. But in the Lord, in God, there is no deceit, no lie. He and his word can be absolutely relied upon. Jesus is the amen, the faithful and truth witness of God to us. I read Psalm 19 first thing this morning. Uh, not here, uh, when I got up. It speaks about two great witnesses to, the, to Yahweh, the Lord, to, of creation and then the scripture, the law of the Lord. The heavens speak of him. I understand that the gospel is written, the stars in the northern hemisphere. His word reveals him. His law declares his righteousness and justice. That was the revelation of God that the psalmist David had and he rejoiced in it. 
But Hebrews 1 starts with this, that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. And so it goes on. Jesus is the final and greatest revelation of God. He's the image, the likeness of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the truth, lived the truth, and speaks the truth. Let me put it in this way. There is nothing more at this time that we need to know about God that is not evidenced to us in the person and words of Jesus. So I say again, read the Gospels. Watch him, observe him, listen to him there. Like it says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Jesus is the amen, the faithful and true witness of truth to us. What he says to us is true. Now God's word is true. But what, God, what Jesus says to us as God is true. He tells us the truth about God, but he also tells us the truth about us. We are sinners in need of a saviour. Without faith in him, we are lost and will perish. We are by nature those who prefer darkness to light. Human nature is reluctant to deal with the truth. There are things we don't want to hear. Like a child putting out, no, 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 no. I'm not listening. We even choose to listen to other voices and other messages rather than the truth. Like the old Fleetwood Mac song goes, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. We sometimes think, we sometimes speak of spinning a web of lies and deceit. Here's the quote, it's not scripture, and it's not even Shakespeare, it's actually Sir Walter Scott. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive. Clever quote, isn't it? But actually, Walter Scott probably knew his Bible because the quote comes from Isaiah 59. Not, oh, what a tangled web we weave, but these words. I'll read it to you, and you've got a headline up here. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave spiders' webs. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their path. A web of lies is Bible language. The truth finds us and defines us, so we make a shelter of lies for ourselves. Jeremiah uses a similar expression. The way that a spider wins a web or a chrysalis spins a a cocoon around itself. But our lies won't last. They will come to nothing. Uh, You know that uh, in internet addresses, we used to have to write www before an internet. Now they don't. They short-circuit it. You can just write light-house.church and it will get there. You know what www stands for? It used to be worldwide wrestling as well, but it actually stands in internet terms for World Wide Web. Hmm, web. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? 
For some people, their deceit brings them success and wealth and power, at least for a time. And we've sadly got used to the fact that many politicians have a rather distant relationship with truth, semi-detached relationship with truth, someone once said of one of our politicians and facts. But some are so brazen and ashamed that they truly are shocking. Now, if you have access to a Bible software or a good Bible study website, follow the words deceits and lies through the scripture. It's a repeated topic in God's word. And numerous references add together to show this. This is a bold statement, we're all going to make it. God hates and condemns lying and deceiving every bit as much as he hates sexual immorality or adultery. In fact, let me demonstrate just one example of that to you. Amongst the last words in in the New Testament, in Revelation, are these. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have, have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So the Lord will judge and exclude from his eternal kingdom these people, practitioners of sexual morality in its various forms, witchcraft, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. It's clear that's not an exhaustive list of transgressions and sins and so on, but it is an interesting list. It's interesting that lying and deceit come in there. May the Lord give light to those who are deceived, but he will not fail to judge and condemn those who practice deceit to gain advantage unless they repent. There are floods in some parts of the UK, and it's interesting as we've been standing here this morning, the snow is falling around this building. But there are floods in some parts of the UK. But there's another flood that's happening. Our world is increasingly flooded with all sorts of schemes and lies and deceptions and conspiracies and theories. Lies that will call us to hate and despise those of a different political outlook or maintain a prejudice against people who are unlike us in background or culture or that will keep us from receiving necessary vaccines and medicines or more deeply and more distressingly for me, will turn us away from the truth that is focused and centred on Jesus. So I urge us to make these changes, these choices. Number one, seize hold of the truth. Seize firm hold of the truth. Jesus is the truth, the Amen, the the faithful and true witness. The truth starts and ends with him. And when I stand here again next time, I'll be talking about he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Take firm hold of the truth of Jesus, the word of Jesus, and live in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is where freedom is. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth of Jesus is liberating. Lies restrict you, control you, shackle you down wrap you up in fear and distress and anxiety. But Jesus defeats fear and gives hope. And you can know what is a lie, what is a deception, and those who spin those webs by their fruits, by what it produces. Look at what that produces and dismiss it as being wicked. And of course, when I talk about the world, there's a whole range of things in the world wide web, from very good things, truthful things, 
to shadowy things, to half-truths, right through to abominable, despicable, devilish lies. I'd better stop there. I might say something I regretted. Then stand in the truth. Standing in the light and the truth is not a natural base preference. We have to choose to do it. We have to be drawn into it. But in the light, standing in the light of God and letting the truth of God bathe upon us is where good and health and peace and joy are to be found. Welcome the truth that cleanses you, that equips you and prepares you for eternal inheritance, Paul said to the Ephesian elders, Acts 20. And then, as Christians, we we should speak what is truthful. We tend to compare ourselves with other people and assure ourselves we're more truthful than some. But it's the calling of every Christian to choose to seek the truth, to love the truth, to speak the truth, to live by the truth. Two scriptures for in Ephesians 4. Uh, Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor for we're members one of another. Colossians, do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds. As we follow and obey the Lord Jesus, we are to learn to be like him in faithfulness and truthfulness. And lastly, speak the truth of God's word. Let his words be in our mouths. Not twisting scripture from its context to our purposes. Oh, here's one, I can use that this way. But declaring and affirming that this is the truth. This is the word of the living God. I believe it. I receive it. I, by his grace, I'll act upon it and live by it. Whatever he says to you, do it. But yeah, fine. But first of all, confirm it. Let it be in your mouth. Let there be a response to God. Yes, Lord. Amen Will, is a good one. Go to the scriptures and receive God's word. Speak out your acceptance and affirmation of his words, whether they're promise, uh, instruction, or correction. We can't live in the shadows. We can't be entertaining rumors and theories. We choose the light. We choose the Lord, the truth of our Lord Jesus, who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Do not be moved away from him. Stay centered on him. Keep trusting in and depending upon him. Choose the truth. Choose the light every time. Don't have anything to do with darkness. However, whatever gray, whatever shade of gray or deep black it may be, have nothing to do with darkness, but choose the light. Light and truth are where the freedom are. And what is bad will produce a bad outcome, bad fruit. That's how you can tell it. Watch it, and if that's the outcome, you know it's bad. We're going to break bread in a moment or two. And uh, again, we show the Lord's death until he comes, breaking bread and drinking the cup, which symbolizes his blood. We also say again, Lord Jesus, you are the very center of my life. If I have nothing else and if I had no one else, I would still be yours and belong to you. And if all about me changes, you do not change. We sing it, uh, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of your church. It's It's a prayer that sums up Jesus, come and be king amongst us. Come and rule in our hearts. 
We don't just want you to come down from heaven and sweep away all the wicked while we go, yeah, they deserve that. We want right now to be those who are rooting for your kingdom to come more now too. So we take, again, until he comes, we keep doing this.